Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 009. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, we all have authority figures in our lives. Bosses, police officers, teachers. They tell us what needs to be done, and we hope that we can benefit in some way. Is Jesus one of your authority figures? Do we pay attention to what he tells us? Can we benefit from doing so, even if it seems like the Bible exists to bum out our party? Let's find out. Well, I want to begin this morning with a few questions. This is going to be kind of this message, a full participation message. So feel free to shout out the answers as you may know them or not know them. Start off nice and easy. An electric train is moving north at 100 miles an hour and the wind is blowing to the west at 10 miles an hour. Which way does the smoke blow? All right, some of you guys are one for one. There is no smoke from an electric train. I have a bit of a visual to this one in case it becomes a little trickier to figure out. If there are five water bottles and you take two away, how many do I have? Two. Anybody who said three? Well, I probably would have said three, too. <laughs> See how many of you guys are online. How many times can you subtract 10 from 100? Oh, that was not as good as I thought it was going to be. I've heard a couple different reasons on this. Why? Take the 1 and the 0 away from 100, you have a 0. Oh, the arguments of teachers over the coffee that's going to happen around that pub table outside. You might call these trick questions. Some of you guys are pretty sly on being able to answer them. And if they happen to be your thing, you know what? There are plenty of them in the Gospels especially in today's message. It can be fun to see Jesus' elegance in how he answers trick questions and how he asks them at the same time. But underneath it all, amongst the trick questions and the, the plays on words that we may have and everything like that, Jesus asks hard questions, difficult questions, questions that our eternities can lie on choosing to answer them or not. But if we wrestle with them, take them on, don't shy away from them, you know what, there can be serious life on the other side. Let's pray together. God, transform us today through your word. Help us to ask the difficult questions in our lives. Amen. Have you ever wanted to ask somebody, who made you boss? Our kids kind of have this catchphrase amongst each other. You're not the boss of me. Who are you telling me what to do? Anybody ever thought that? Those who don't say yes or are raising your hands are probably thinking it right now. Who do you think you are telling me to raise my hand or talk during my 40 winks in worship? You ever say, I'll make up my own mind, thank you very much. Maybe we don't take it quite so brazenly. Maybe it comes out a little more like, I'll go along. I'll kind of see where you're going, but I'm not going to follow along blindly. I still believe in thinking critically. still believe in thinking rationally. This is not a slam on that idea, but maybe you've heard these phrases or these ideas as a slam on Christianity, or particularly on the Bible. Christian faith is blind They can't think rationally. I mean, have you heard the stories that are in the Bible? Come on. Christians just believe like zombies. 
Jesus is Lord. Worship God. Maybe you've even thought some of these yourself. Maybe even think some of these thoughts even now. But today's passage, rather than trying to slam on some of those ideas, it allows us to explore them. Explore some of these questions, these thoughts. So wherever you are, whether you look at what I just did and be like, I'd never think that. Or you look at it and go, well, yeah, maybe. Hopefully this passage breaks down some of those walls. Offers peace. Maybe even a first taste of real life. Still hanging out in Mark's gospel throughout the season of Lent. This comes out of Mark 11, 27 to 33. Again, Jesus and his crew came to Jerusalem. And as he was walking into the temple, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him and said, By what authority are you doing these things? Jesus had just basically cleared out the temple and ticked off all the religious leaders in the scene right before this. Who gives you the authority to do them? And Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? Answer me, Jesus says. And they, the chief priests, argued with each other and said, If if we say from heaven, then he will say, Then why did you not believe him? But shall we say of human origin? For they were afraid of the crowd, for all regarded John as truly a prophet. So the chief priests answered Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. As I said, Jesus and his crew are back in Jerusalem. They have cleared out the temple, left in the previous scene, and now they are coming back to the scene of the crime. And the temple bosses, if you will, the the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, they weren't too happy about how that last scene went. They're like, we're going to nail him. We're going to get him this time. He's not trashing our house again. So let's get him, guys. Let's come up with something good to trap him. And so they call him out. Probably hoping the crowds are going to grow around him. By what authority are you doing these things? Trashing our temple? Ripping on how we do business here in God's house? And probably getting that mob ready because they think they got him. They think they're painting Jesus into a corner. Because if Jesus says, well, I'm doing all these things on my own authority, especially amongst this group, he's going to come across as a lunatic. They're not going to let him out of there alive. They're not even going to wait for the cross. But if he says, I do this on God's authority, well, then that's blasphemy. And maybe he survives long enough to go to the cross. But there's a no-win situation for Jesus as he, that it gets painted into. And Jesus is probably knows this is coming and is just calm as a cucumber. I'll answer your question if you answer one for me first. John's baptism. Was it from heaven or from men? Who authorized John the Baptist, basically? See, he knows, Jesus knows, that the chief priests and the Pharisees they all have hold John in very high regard. And the mob that is probably growing around Jesus and his crew hold John in a very high regard. So the trick question that these temple bosses were kind of putting on Jesus flips on them. And the passage puts them 
into a quandary. Because if they answer, well, John's authority, John's baptism came from God, then Jesus can respond, well, why didn't you listen to him? Why didn't you pay attention to this prophet you hold so highly? Because John, among many things, spoke very highly of Jesus. There's that whole scene is getting ready to baptize him, and he's telling people about the coming Messiah. He's like, you know what? I baptize you guys in water. There's one who's going to come. I'm not even fit to undo his sandal strap. I baptize you in water. He will baptize you in fire and the Holy Spirit. You think I'm good. He is so much better. John's authority comes from God. Well, why didn't you listen to him when he spoke about me? But if he said, if the chief priests say, well, John's authority came from man, well, then all the mob around that hold John in such high esteem are basically going to turn on them. And they're stuck. Now, spoiler alert, they do believe that John's authority comes from God. is heaven sent, if you will. But they can't say that. They can't admit that because they already have their minds set up on taking Jesus out. And this mindset, we're going to trap Jesus, we're going to get him, we're going to put him in the ground. That mindset kneecaps their whole plan. And so that all they have left is the cop-out answer. Um, we don't know. We're the PhDs of religion and of the law and of all things God, and um, we don't know. So Jesus leaves them hanging. Well, then I won't tell you either. And probably gets to walk off, again, cool as a cucumber. The chief priests, the, re- the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they had religion. They had ritual, but they could have had life. And if they didn't come in to this conversation with Jesus and his crew, with this preconceived idea, mindset of, we're going to take him out for rabble-rousing in our house, maybe they could have experienced some of that. The whole mindset, Jesus is trouble. Jesus has got to go. They totally couldn't conceive of the idea that maybe Jesus really was who he said he was. Maybe Jesus was the one John was talking about when he spoke to them. Maybe you've seen what a preconceived mindset can do in a conversation. You ever, you ever walk into a conversation or let's just call a spade a spade. You ever walk into an argument and as you're walking into the ring, the one thought in your head is, I'm right, they're wrong, completely shifts the filter for how you see what's going to come up next. The filter that you put on the conversation. You quickly lose any chance to learn, to grow, to listen. Maybe even if your goal is to try and persuade and you know, you're having a debate, maybe you even lose all opportunity to persuade the other person. And it quickly devolves whatever you want to call the conversation that's going to happen, quickly devolves into, I'm just going to beat the other person. I'm going to win at any cost. Even when you stop talking, it's not to listen. It's to catch your breath. Because you've been firing away. Catch your breath and plan your next attack. I'm done with that point. Now, let me think about what i got to say next. Usually at the time when the other person is doing the same thing back at you. Sit there if you have experienced this. See, thank you for proving my point. 
Now, here's the question. And I promise this is not a trick question. I know I've kind of had this wave of them going. How much growing or how much can a relationship develop when this kind of thing happens? How much life happens when a conversation goes like this? At best, we might call it life-sucking, life-draining. I mean, I've had some times where I have a morning like that and this kind of thing just happens, yes, I'm human. And just from a couple of hours of this kind of attitude and thought and, and practice, and I just feel like I need to take a shower for myself. And that's just a couple hours, let alone people who just live this way. And contrast that with another character, another conversation that happens in John 3 between Jesus and Nicodemus. Now, there's many characteristics that are actually really the same about this because Nicodemus is also a Pharisee also a religious leader. Very well could have been one of those crowds in the temple saying, hey, Jesus, by whose authority are you doing this? But Nicodemus gets together with Jesus. And the setting, sneaking out, catching him alone, catching him, talking to him on the, on the down low, says, hey, I want to learn. I, I actually want to know the answers that Jesus has. And when Jesus speaks, and they're having this conversation all throughout John 3, And Nicodemus doesn't just know when to shut up, but he knows when to listen. And he asks question after question, as a man of his mind would probably do. But how does this work? And what about this? And how do you explain this? And how do these things work together? How does this all happen? And Jesus, I believe, speaks life to him in all his answers. And the only difference between Nicodemus and John 3 and the chief priests in Mark 11 is their mindset. One group has a closed mind. I'm right, you're wrong, as they walk in. And one says, I want to learn. I want to grow. Help me do it. But whatever mindset we have, that if Jesus does have authority, then we have a decision to make. Is he our boss or not? There's where, underneath all the trick questions, the hard ones start to come out. Is he our Lord or not? Now, the fact is, it's easy to answer with words. Because just about everybody here probably knows every Sunday school answer to every Sunday school question that can come up. But the fact is, our lives speak louder. So do we do what Jesus says and answer that way? Or is all of this just nostalgia until we can get out there in the real world. Do we know what Jesus says, or do we hope somebody else knows and we'll just sort of skirt in on their coattails, hide under their shadow? If you think that knowing what Jesus says or doing what Jesus says is kind of a buzzkill or will bum out the party, here's the fact. Life is best when Jesus is boss. Life is best when Jesus is boss. Let's bring this up to the 21st century. Many of you guys are parents, have been at least at some point. You ever say no to a child, knowing it, in all of your parental wisdom that it was actually best for them to say no, to hear no? Daddy, can I stay up till midnight, even though I have my spelling test tomorrow at 7 o'clock? No. There's three bags of candy in the, in the cabinet. Can I have them all before dinner? 
No. And that's not being a buzzkill. Don't tell the kids downstairs. They may totally disagree with me saying that. But it really is the loving thing. That we can, we can say that as parents. Sorry, guys. We say it as parents really, really loving. And hopefully that comes across. And Jesus, and by extension, Scripture does the same thing. With the same motivation. Don't judge, speaking of preconceived ideas and motivations. You know what can save many, many relationships of every different variety? Order of operations. Here's some common core for you. Marriage first, then sex. Saves a whole lot of problems. Life is best when Jesus is boss. So I started off this morning asking some trick questions. As we close in prayer, I want to ask you guys some true questions. So as we go into prayer, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to answer these questions for yourself. Are you living for yourself or for your Savior? Are you controlled by your feelings or by the facts of God's Word? Will you confess and repent your self-centeredness and surrender to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ right now? What's one thing that you can put in practice this week to demonstrate your submission to your Savior? Thanks again for listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org. Or if you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning. On next week's episode, have you ever felt like it was worth it to worship God, but you had no idea what you had to offer? The good news is God receives worship based on our heart, not all the externals. We're going to explore the story of a woman who didn't have much of her life that would fit in most churches today. Yet Jesus said, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Check it out next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.